All right, welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur. And oh my goodness, is he out here large and in charge? It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Chilling. Just saw the Big Papa documentary. So I'm feeling, oh, me too, dude. I watched it last night. Feeling big, feeling good. I had no idea about all that cool stuff in his past, all those great jazz musician in his yeah. neighborhood, the Jamaican connection. I didn't know about any of that. I had very, no idea. Very that. Interesting. I had no idea that Fulton Street was like this like spot for artists in like the nineties and just touring musicians just lived there. I had no idea. It makes sense. There's a couple uh a couple gangstar songs that make a little more sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like there there are some mentions of it being sort of this artistic hotbed in there. And I didn't really have access <laughs> to that part of it, you know? My family left Brooklyn in like the sixties. So <laughs> Yeah, no, very cool, very cool doc. A little sad, but but really cool. Yeah. Well, Benny, I don't know if you know this, and I just want to take this moment on the podcast before we get too into you know the meat of the day, the you know the uh, the topics du jour, if you will. Mm-hmm. Benny, we have a podcast beef. I don't know if you kn- know this, but uh, Will Arnett, famous uh-huh. actor, BoJack Horseman, of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, stepping on our territory, and by ours I mean mine. So it, things were fine, you know. He comes off okay. Jack Horseman, all good, right? He starts the podcast in in July, right? Yeah. Cool lockdown. Everybody's doing this. Sure. Where I started to take this personally, this dude has a kid, right? Eight months ago, and names uh-huh. his kid Denny. Stop oh. coming for my life. Wait. Okay. <laughs> So you think Will Arnett is jocking you so hard that he A, copied you doing a podcast, and B, <laughs> named his kid to model after you. This is this is no, the beef. But this here's beef how you texted me about. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is it. It's how I distract from my actual beefs in life. No, 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 no. No, but two. It, and it would have been one thing if the kid's formal number one, right? Kid's name yeah. is Anthony Dennison, and I okay. don't know about you. But, you know, when kids come up with the nicknames to call you, Dennison was right up there yeah, on the list of uh, potential names. So, Will Arnett, we don't do this segment, but dick of the day, go find wow. your own life. you got a comedy oh. career to keep track of. Anyway, oh, man. Just had to get that off it's my chest. It's called Magic, Michael. <laughs> I don't know. I think that character alone trumps your whole argument. Existence? Oh, oh okay. I, th- I thought you were going to come at me personally there. Anyway, dude, <laughs> what's up? What's up? How are you? Oh, I'm good, man. Yeah? Just hanging out in my home, looking out my, my window, trying to uh, not read the news to see, you know, People trying to take over the government or whatever's happening. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, just just cool it out, man. Mm, pretty cool. And you? Oh, I mean, I, I I think I've laid out all of my grievances for for the day. <laughs> I'll save the rest for Festivus. For the rest of us, and for the rest of us right now, as I try to tie this all together, let's get into this day in music history. Do, 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 do. All right, this is a fun one, and this day. In 1953, we got an old school one. Mm. America learns of Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin's death when Air Force Sergeant Johnny Cash intercepts a coded message from Russia. So Cash enlisted in 1950 after he turned 18. He was assigned to the 12th 
Radio Squadron Mobile of the U.S. Air Force Security Service at Landsberg, West Germany, where he proved his skill as a Morse code operator. Wow. So on this day, nearly, fuck, 70 years ago now, that's a little crazy to say. Yeah. A young Johnny Cash is the one who intercepted the message of Joseph Stalin's death and gave it to America. Pretty crazy, huh? How about that? How about that? Johnny Cash. What a charmed life. One of those... One of those charmed lives. I mean, if I don't know too much about Johnny Cash, but if the Walk the Line movie is correct, <laughs> you know, he sort of stumbled into, you know, Sun Records and yeah. that whole thing. And, you know, and then and just randomly intercepted the message of Joseph. <laughs> he must have had a big life before Johnny yeah. Cash because there was a lot coming to him in this one. You know, I was going to say, how come that didn't make the movie? I, yeah, I mean, they kind of brushed over his, yeah, his, his service I think career. the movie really started post-military, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. they just showed the shitty thing with his brother when he was little, and then kind of his coming home from the military. But, right. yeah, really interesting, man. Now, what's this question? If there was a pop star right now, hmm. say, like, you know, we hear these tales all the time of, like, yeah, that's right. Ted Williams went to war. Elvis Presley went to war. Which like pop star musician or something right now, if something broke out, would be like the Captain America hero? Do we even have any? Because I feel like kind of being the beta male is like the is like the way to be a pop star and into the into the hearts of teenagers across the country. No, but like a a I don't know. I kind of feel like Dave Grohl is, is too old to serve. Yeah, at this yeah. point, like like he can't really yeah. be Captain America. Yeah, he broke his leg on stage, and he's like fifty. Yeah. There's no chance Dave Grohl's going. <laughs> Justin Bieber's Canadian. Like, what if randomly, just like like, you're like, oh, there was a a conflict, and you know, Quavo from Migos <laughs> is the one who saved America. It's possible, honestly. We've overlooked one guy, mm. right? Because he's almost banned from the podcast, but Benny keeps keeps him eligible for conversation here it would be kanye west it would be kanye west <laughs> he's oh. too old too <laughs> what do you think they're drafting into this thing bunch of 40 50 year old men we got to go oh, early no. into the pot no it's tom brady tom brady is gonna save America. again too old <laughs> not be like billy eilish's <laughs> brother like parachuting from a helicopter or something. the gotta, problem yeah. is we have no celebrities now that are american they're all canadian that's true. That's true. <laughs> Proof in the uh, Rising Stars Challenge game, actually. <laughs> oh, which we'll get to in a yeah. little bit. All right, Benny. So I'm going to do something that I've never done in this segment before mm. with my This Day in Music History. I'm going to keep it very contemporary. I'm going to keep it so contemporary, in fact, on this day in 2021, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pop released their first oh. single as the duo known as Silk Sonic. I love <gasps> that. I have no idea what the whole album is going to sound like, uh. but this sounds sensual as hell. I'm glad you mentioned this, actually, yeah. because... I guess I'm a predictable person because, <laughs> you know, friend of the program, singer of Mercy Union, Jared Hart mm-hmm. had texted me uh, a link to the article about a week ago saying that these two announced this project and were putting out a record. And subsequently, like four people within 24 hours afterwards <laughs> sent me the same exact link. So I think people know I love Bruno Mars. They know I love Anderson Pack. They know I love funk. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that this is going to be soulful and it's going to be funky with these two. Remember, Anderson Pack is a drummer by yeah. trade. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to be 
off the charts. I'm excited you brought this up. Man. I'm giddy with excitement. I love Anderson so much because before I met you, Ben, he was actually like the first drummer from like a band that I ever met. He was at Sirius one day. Nope. Uh-huh. He's performing in like the little cube that we have there. Yeah, There's yeah. like four people watching this. I'm out on my lunch break. I'm like, why aren't people paying more attention to this guy? And even before he was like super well known, he just had that element of cool that is just so undeniable. So I'm oh, really yeah, excited yeah. about this. These are magnetic, magnetic human beings. Oh my god. Even just a couple days ago, you know, sometimes when I'm playing drums and I'm practicing, yeah. you know, the same way uh, when you're shooting hoops, sometimes you create these scenarios. You're like, last 10 <laughs> seconds, Bruce Bowen's on me. He's glued all over, over the top. You know, one of those things. I do that with drums sometimes. And the other day, I was actually down in my basement, literally playing a Bruno Mars arena show. Wow. And specifically in a foreign arena. I don't know why, but they weren't chanting in American. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and and I was playing drums to a huge crowd with Bruno Mars dancing in front of me and the whole crew dressed up. I'm in like a nice suit, close my eyes. So I do that too sometimes when I'm playing drums. And Bruno's one of those ones where like, I don't want to really tour that much anymore. But if Bruno was like, hey, six year world tour, here's the keys. <laughs> Sorry, kids, You're going to international school, you know? <laughs> Bring them with you. Do the whole Jesse Marsh thing. Or bring your kids on, homeschool them, all that uh, stuff. Oh, I, I hate to break it to you, Denny. That's expensive. <laughs> the people who get to do that yeah. are not the uh, drummers who get hired to go Matt on tour. Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. Not, not going to happen. Bruno might get his own bus. <laughs> Pac might get his own bus. Benny Random Horowitz. drummer you hire off a podcast, <laughs> not getting his own bus. If Benny, if you're claim the fame as this podcast, we have to have a different conversation because I've definitely brought you down then. Oh, Benny, <laughs> don't bring me down. Don't bring me down. As always, we love the tune-up audience. So we we try to give them what they want each and every week. The headlines from sports, news, and especially music. And, you know, last week we talked about NFTs when it came to NBA Top Shot. And That's this right. week we're back talking about N- NFTs because on Friday – uh, Kings of Leon will release their new album entitled When You See Yourself in the form of a, uh, and I never knew before I actually wrote this down, what mm. NFTs actually stood for, non-fungible tokens. Not I that know. word, fungible. Fun. It's fun. <laughs> and they have become the first band to do so. Kings of Leon's album will be released released everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, but the NFT version will be available on Yellow Heart, which I've never heard of that, them before this, and will be the only product with special perks. How this works is you pay $50 and you get uh, the album and all the enhanced media. But the interesting thing about this, they're only selling the NFT for two weeks, and then after that, it becomes a collector's item. So, Benny, do you think more artists are going to do this going forward, or is this kind of like the dual disc? I mean, well, someone else is definitely going to try. Yeah. And, and, I mean, I have a feeling there's some people who probably have taken some stabs at this that are just a little smaller than Kings of Leon and mm. we didn't even really know about it. But I got to be honest, when I saw this article, and this isn't a band I'm a huge fan of either, mm. I was automatically intrigued by the fact that I think it's kind of smart and kind of cutting edge, mm. especially in the middle of a pandemic when you know, you're know you going to have to wait to tour and stuff anyway. Um, so... I don't know if this is going to be like the model going forward because I think you'd find very few people who can actually 
myself included, really explain what the fuck this means, <laughs> where the money's going, where it's staying, how it's exchanged. Like, this stuff is m- murky water that we're still going through. But yeah. I think in the last couple of weeks, with the Top Shot, with Kings of Leon, with these big investors putting their money over to that side, I get the feeling we're on the precipice of this entire industry becoming a little more valid and these security concerns starting to get figured out in different ways. So that being said, I think Kings of Leon are taking a chance uh, with the actual, you know, manipulation of this product, but they stand a chance to be way ahead of the pack in what other people are doing. And now I did reach out to an industry insider. Oh, I love when he does about this. this okay. <laughs> yeah. And you know, even before we got into that thing, their response was, well, it's putting attention on a band that could use it right now, you know, and it's a nice press look. So, so I think even if like this fails from a physical standpoint, Kings of Leon just successfully became the top headline on every music page and every site for the next couple of weeks. And people are going to be, uh, avidly looking into, what they're doing as it's going on. So even as like a press release kind of move, it's pretty smart. Mm. So I think uh, good on them in a bunch of ways for being the first big group to kind of take this jump. This is what I think is interesting. And maybe you can, can help me with this. So this is what the chief executive of yellow heart, Josh Katz said, he said in quote, over the last 20 years, two lost decades, we've seen the devaluation of music, not necessarily true, but he has to sell his product. And he says, he told uh, Rolling Stone, it's early stages, but in the future, I think this will be how people release their tracks when they sell 100000 at a dollar each, then they just made 100000 So, I mean, I understand what he's saying, but but there's also the response to this, especially as a musician, is I think more and more, if you got into a platform like this, you would commoditize things that are not the overall artistic expression. You know, Mm. it's going to be pieces. It's going to be bits. It's going to be visual. And this, again, this idea of just like sitting down with headphones and experiencing an entire record for 12 songs the way it used to be, you know, this might slip us farther away from that reality, which just as a nostalgic music fan makes me sad, you know? Yeah. Also included in this is a moving album cover, which I think could actually be kind of interesting. That's kind of cool. I mean, Benny, I like this. You know, last week I was pitching you the whole idea of, you know, if you go to a concert, maybe like the price of the tickets goes up a little bit, but you get this NFT and only the people at that show can get it. Um, So then that makes that a lot more valuable. Just ways for musicians. Obviously, it's going to start at the top, but if it helps everybody, I'm here for it. Yeah, same. I think it's interesting. I really do. Occasionally on this podcast, we get into the cancel wars, who's in, who is who has torpedoed their career, but rarely do we go after beloved figures that are no longer with us. But Benny, this past week, Dr. Seuss has been in the news, and six Dr. Seuss books, including And to Think I Saw It on Mulberry Street, and If I Ran the Zoo, will stop being published because of racist and insensitive imagery in the book. Uh, the business uh, will is looking to preserve the author's legacy by doing this move. 
Benny, I like this to a degree. I don't like the idea of just stop publishing these books, taking them out, out of the library, because people need to learn. I'm, I'm all for kind of like what Disney did with the Muppet Show, putting a disclaimer on the front, be like, hey, this is how we used to think. We've evolved. Don't think like this or something like that. What do you make of Dr. Seuss being canceled? Um, so this is one of those few times where like, you know, I know, of course, like the right wing usually backlash to something like this is like, oh, cancel culture. Woke culture has done it again. They've killed Dr. Seuss now. Who's next? And like this time, honestly, it seemed like such a fair and appropriate conversation and response. It seems so reasoned. Yeah. That Like, I don't understand how you could even be upset. It's not as if uh, people were caving to some. Uh, this was the actual Dr. Seuss Foundation themselves mm. saying, hey, like, we get it. There's some problematic stuff in the past. We're not yeah. willing to say Dr. Seuss is should be tossed in the garbage, but we're willing to take six out of hundreds and hundreds of titles. Let's pull these out of publication in good faith because there's some fucking weird stuff in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know if this guy was a racist or not. Like it's hard to judge in the, uh, obviously in the annals of time and the way things change. Like that's, that's an extremely uh, nuanced conversation to have, but I recognize the things in it were problematic. And I think that this was like a totally fair and appropriate response to it. And oddly enough, it's Dr. Seuss week at my kid's school, hmm. and I am signed up tomorrow to read Green Eggs and Ham oh, yes. to a bunch of three-year-olds, okay? <laughs> so I'm pro-Seuss. Love Seuss. Seussian, the whole world. <laughs> like, that world got me really smart, mm. my imagination and creativity in so many different ways. And even the way I draw and kind of see fantasy and stuff, even these days, like, I will forever draw bridges with weird stick stilts <laughs> tied together with rope and like you know that yeah. stuff it'll stick with me forever and i'm glad it's not going anywhere but you pull fucking six titles from it like yeah. who gives a shit man by the way it's really important to note with dr seuss his work pre-world war ii and after world war ii he becomes a lot more empathetic and that's when he really blows up with like the cat in the hat horton right. hears a who so you, you can just tell, and it's kind of funny when you learn about Dr. Seuss, you kind of never really even counted Mulberry Street as like yeah. a Dr. Seuss in like the Dr. Seuss canon. It's right. like the Lorax, it's Horton Here's a Who, it's Cat in the Hat, all the ones that teach people to love and stuff like that. That's this guy's legacy. And you know, it shows growth. And the fact that's that, right. and that's the lesson to take from this is we're all capable of growing. And Dr. Seuss showed us that as well. I agree. All right, Benny, it is Friday, as we've let you know. NBA All-Star Weekend is starting this weekend, so we wanted to take the time. We're in the prediction business. As much as I hate being in the prediction business, it's just part, part of the deal. So we have a couple of events, the Skills Challenge, the Dunk Contest, the Three Point Contest, and we're going to go through each of them, and we're going to tell you who's going to win. And then, you know, because the teams aren't exactly picked yet for the All-Star Game, we're going to give you who we think is going to be the All-Star Game MVP. So, without any further ado, Benny, do you want to start with the skills contest? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, cool. All right, so the participants in this year's skill contest, we have Robert Covington of the Portland Trailblazers, our boy Luka Doncic, 
we have Chris Paul, Julius Randle, DeMontes Sabonis, and Nikola Vucevic. Benny, who do you like here? So this is a strange field this year. I feel like they didn't have enough ball handlers (laughs) and passers, but the same thing happens in the skills competition every year. It's the people who take it too lackadaisically, always miss the tire a couple times. (laughs) Uh, They run a little slow, but I've seen time and time again, the big men who are really trucking it out out there, not able to finish with the three. (laughs) So I know that this is, should be Luca's to win, right? Yeah. Because he has, to me, the three out of three necessary skills that would allow him to win. But I think he might be trying hard enough. I think he might be like, I'm Luka Doncic. What am I doing in the skills challenge? And I have a feeling big man Nick Vucevic is coming in for the crown. He's he, out of the big men in this uh, in his field. I see him as being the one who could ice a couple big-time three-pointers. So I'm going for Nick in the skills challenge. You know, that was going to be my pick. I think I was going back and forth between Vucevic and Sabonis. I feel like people have discredited Vucevic as he shouldn't be there. Those are always the guys that take this the most serious. You can argue that they're empty numbers this year on a bad team. Uh, But he's got a lot to prove. I also think that Vucevic is going to do it. As much as I want to go for Sabonis, I'm going to go with Vuce. Sabonis is going to blow the three-pointer. Mark my words. (laughs) All right. Next up, we have the three-point shootout. Benny, this is – this is there's a lot of dogs in this field. Um, Easy. Easy this year. Easy. (laughs) We have Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns, Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics, Steph Curry of your Golden State Warriors, Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls, Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Benny, who do you like? Well, automatic, like Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, those types of play, they are in-game three-point shooters. Yeah. Those guys never succeed in these contests, and I don't think they're going to do very well. Uh, I think the strongest showing out of nowhere is probably going to be from Zach Levine. Yeah. Real marksman. I think he's going to have a great competition, but... This is the reclamation year of Steph Curry. Steph Curry came into this season, new haircut, (laughs) new logo, being like, hey, remember, everybody, I'm fucking Steph Curry, you know? And I think this is going to be another notch in that for him. He is the greatest three-point shooter in history, and when he feels like winning a three-point contest, which I do think he feels like (laughs) it this year, he is going to win it. The obvious choice in this never wins, so it's why I'm skeptical of going with Steph Curry here. I'm going to go with a guy who, you know, felt like he got screwed against Philadelphia 76ers, maybe doesn't think that he gets enough respect as a star in this league. I'm going to go with Donovan Mitchell here to kind of spice things up a little bit because, you know, what's the one – I think, you know, back in the day, if we go over the great shooters of the league, um, they rarely show up for some reason in this contest – I mean, if you look at someone like Peja, I think he only won twice. I think Steph's won this one time. So I think that, you know, you got a guy out here looking to prove something. Like we said with Vucevic, I think this is going to be Donovan Mitchell's contest this year. Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. Even with the guys you mentioned, (laughs) because it's like, you're like, oh, no, they they don't take, the only one they do take seriously is the three-point competition yeah. and all the greatest shooters in the world do want to prove their ground in the three-point competition. Hence, Reggie Miller, Peja right. Soyakovich, Steph Curry, all 
having crowns. I also wanted to go with Levine, but Benny, we can't agree through this whole thing. Nobody wants to hear us love each other. I think Jason Tatum's <laughs> going to have a strong showing, too. Really? Okay. I, I, I do. I, I don't do. know. Or, you know, the other interesting pick there could have been Devin Booker, um, you know, but... That have been, his arms are too long. His arc <laughs> is going to be way up. Who knows? Who knows? You know, I've made some pretty bodacious picks here that have, uh, you know, come back to look decent. Looking yeah, at you, like Ben Mello Ball. Looking at you, Ben right, Come on, moving on. <laughs> uh, our, our next contest at the All-Star Weekend, we have the dunk contest. We have the New York Knicks' Obi Toppin. I still think somehow Zion's going to be in this, but that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Cassius Stanley of the Indiana Pacers and, and Fernie Simmons of the Portland Trailblazers. Benny, who do you like in this? I mean, I got Obi simply yeah. because I've never seen the other two dunk. Like, what a bizarre field yeah. for the dunk competition. This is bad this year. <laughs> this is really uh, bad. So I'm going with Obi, like I said, because I've never really seen the other two throw down very much. But he's also the son of a legendary street baller. Mm. Came up in the New York City scene. He's a great leaper. So I got to imagine Obi's got some tricks in his pocket. I'm, go- I'm going Obi Toppin. Wasn't uh, Simmons the one that was in that dunk contest with Zion in high school that got, like, that blew up on like Instagram. Oh, is that, I thought, yeah, that's possible. I, I thought that's that was possible. him. So okay. for that reason and that reason alone, there you, go. you know, we're going to switch it up and go with Simmons here. Good job, NBA. We have to go on his <laughs> high school accomplishments his, to fucking know what he his did. His high school Instagram. Yeah. All right, Benny. And now for the crown jewel of the entire weekend, the all-star game. Now we don't have team LeBron and we don't have team Durant yet, but based off of the guys playing in this game, game who do you think is going to take home the highly coveted 2021 nba all-star game mvp well again i gotta i gotta lean towards attributes again knowing this game you know yeah uh guys who uh here's who always comes up big guys who know their team can't win in real life so they need to put up in the all-star game and it also favors great outside shooters and finishers since there's no defense so that being said the two biggest contestants, I'm not sure which side they would be on, are going to be Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard. I could see each of them putting up big in this contest. You know, you need somebody who is going to hit like four or five straight three-pointers at some point in the game. Someone who's going to be ramped up the entire game. Doesn't mind giving up the minutes to the All-Star game. So I'm going with these two. Boy, in a shocking turn of events, you know who I'm going to go with? Just because I think that there is a sense of gratitude that this game is actually happening because of him, I gotta go with LeBron James because now I know he's complained about the minutes not being there mentally in in this game, but things always seem to come up roses for him. I think he'll give a nice twenty minutes, put up a decent stat line. Adam Silver is so gracious that uh, over the fact that he got everybody to come there begrudgingly, uh, play forty minutes of basketball, and then go home. So LeBron actually the most valuable player because without him this game wouldn't have happened that's fairly true i would i mean i'd love to see lebron put up in this game (laughs) and you know how much that hurt me that hurt my soul (laughs) to go into that bag today but i did it for you benny yeah you hate greatness (laughs) (laughs) we're not gonna get into uh space jam today Mm -mm. those those first looks came out and that's uh, that's some listen i think i'm gonna have to chalk up space jam simply for the fact (laughs) I'm 40 years old. <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> it's just not for me. You know what I mean? I'll I'll check it out. I'll let the kids watch it. But yeah, you know. 
Well, speaking of a movie that is for you, Benny, on Friday, boy, mm. what is it about March 5th? We have, you know, we as we mentioned Big before, day. we had the new Anderson Pac Bruno collaboration, and we have the release of the highly anticipated Coming to America 2, which, yes, or yes, no, it's yes. just Coming to, number two. Coming to um, America. America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's, that's cheeky. Anyway, Benny, you know, this got us thinking, right? A, a long-awaited sequel, a movie that's become a big part of the culture. Uh, I saw that Eddie Murphy saw that, you know, when Giannis themed his shoe after this, he was like, boy, this is hitting differently with an, an entire generation of people that weren't even alive when this happened. So he was like, let's, let, let's throw this whole thing together. That on top of a bunch of other things. Well, this got us thinking here at the tune-up. What are some past iconic movie franchises or iconic movie that really kind of ingrained itself in the culture that you would like to see rebooted over the next couple of years? Benny, what do you got? All right. I got a bunch. Okay. As you know, you really hit into my sweet spot here because not only do I love movies, I love comedies. Coming to America is one of my all-time yeah. favorite movies. I've watched it, I don't know, once a month since I saw it. So that's a lot of times. Yeah. I could basically quote you the whole thing. And I got to say, I have faith in my man, Eddie. Yeah. I don't think he'd do it if it would be that bad. Right. I don't think we're looking at Dumb and Dumberer here. Or Norbit. I think we're looking at one of these <laughs> awful sequels. Like, I think at the very least, it should be sort of funny and watchable, yeah. not embarrassing. Yeah. I hope. I hope. Please, Eddie. <laughs> but anyway, that did get me thinking about some I'd like to see. Now, I've heard Dave Chappelle talk a lot about one of his biggest uh, smudges on his career is his execution of the film Half-Baked. Oh. Now, you bring that cast together, mm. Dave Chappelle's clout, money, get Netflix behind it, do the <laughs> whole thing. There's so many opportunities for how his life turned out. You know what I mean? He's not a janitor anymore. He got clean. Maybe Brian gets locked up in jail this time and you got to get the crew back together to get him out. Mr. Yeah. Nice Guy could come back. It's perfect. So I want to see Half-Baked 2 with the full Chappelle production team behind it. Um, I'd like to see a, there's something about Mary sequel, mm. right? You never, uh, you know, kind of a nice ending to that movie. Stiller and Cameron Diaz get together, but all this cast of characters, the Chris Elliott's and the pizza delivery guy and all them, they're still kind of in the lurch and I could see a lot of uh, comeback potential for them. I'd like to see a stepbrothers one, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Now, that has a lot of potential, and I'm thinking they were getting their lives together towards the end of the film. <laughs> what if uh, what if their company went big and they have children now? You know what I mean? Imagine those two as parents. That would be a lot of fun. No. I think that's the pitch there. Now, to keep it in the sports world, yeah. what about Kingpin 2? Oh, Kingpin 1 shouldn't have happened. Whoa, stop it. No, no. Kingpin 2. Bill okay, Murray Woody, saves that movie. Woody and Bill are back. I think I think you got to cast like Shia LaBeouf for like one of these younger kind of dick actors to be the new heel. Yeah. And Bill Murray and Woody Harrelson will come together to fight that heel. I think right. that's what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, where am I at here? Weird Science. You oh. know of Weird Science? I do not. Mm-mm. Great 80s movie. 
Anthony Michael Hall and his friend create a computer program where they model the perfect woman and Kelly oh, LeBrock yeah. shows up into their house and takes them on a journey. Yeah, no, now, uh, I would love to see the culmination of like them as adults bringing Kelly LeBrock back and going on to some some adventure together. I love that. And then my last one is for Along Came Polly. Mm. Now, I think because of the passing of Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm. we would have to use Sandy Lyle's death as the impetus yeah. for everyone to get back together and bring back the hijinks <laughs> of Along Came Polly. So these are my six comedies I would like to see rebooted. I love that. I love that. Well, I think that there's a couple that should be revisited with a modern context, right? Okay. They have never – and I know we, we talked about this movie a couple weeks ago. We need to see a new Blues Brothers. Oh, stop it. Hold You're on, back? hold on, hold on. We need to right these wrongs, oh, okay? okay? We cannot okay. we cannot have this existing as the end capstone. We cannot have, like, Jim Belushi. I don't know who you get. I don't know if you get, like, Jonah Hill in there bringing, like, a, like, Chris Tucker to be, like, the straight man. And Jonah Hill, Chris Tucker could be could be a, a interesting okay. thing. Okay. Um, the other one that I think it's time to revisit post me too uh we gotta and maybe you know maybe not be all white guys maybe we have a black american pie that could be interesting that could be interesting okay and then my final one here i think if we had a brand new wedding singer Mm. right because you know that's a that's kind of a it's appreciated but it's underlooked in the adam sandler canon Probably uh, the best one. Probably yeah, best yeah, one. you know, it's probably probably my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Uh, so yeah, you bring that back, and in the age of you know, like like iPod and stuff like that, him like uh-huh. battling all of that oh, could like be that. A, okay. a, a a interesting thing here. Kind so. of a John Henry like yeah. uh, Adam Sandler versus Machine kind yeah. of thing going on. Yeah, I'm into that. What other movies did we forget? I feel like Wedding Crashers needs to be re- revisited. Maybe not two. Maybe not two white guys. Maybe yeah. like a, like Michael Pena and like a Gerard Carmichael. Could be fun. Okay. okay. Could be fun. That could be fun. I'd like to see like take any one of these movies we just mentioned yeah. and just cast uh, DeZeus and Marrow in it. Oh, can these guys carry a movie though? No, probably not. Maybe bit bit part. They should be in the half bait. Yeah, they should be in yes, the half yes, bait. Yes, yes. They'd be perfect for that. Yeah. Oh man, no. this is great. This is great. <laughs> it's a perfect way to cap off the show. Yeah. Well, if any producers are listening to this and you enjoyed some of these ideas we presented, <laughs> feel free to hit us up at the social media channels. Denny will soon tell you. That's right. At the Tuneup Podcast at Gmail dot com. Two P's in there. And also, you know, there's a, there's a, I got a couple other actual scripts that aren't half baked ideas. <laughs> um, if you want to follow us on all the social channels, the TuneUp HQ, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, we out here. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz. One number one in your mind, number one in your in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at Danny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, let it be written in stone. Danny Gallagher thought Lamella Ball was going to be a bust. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. I'm I'm done with this guy. You've been listening to The Tune-Up.